Section six of the Black Cat, Volume two, Number one, October eighteen ninety six. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano, The Black Cat, Volume two, Number one october eighteen ninety six section six in an hour by warwick james price the clock in the chapel tower struck five an upper schooler on his way to the racket court looked up smiling congratulating himself on his freedom from study hours and wondering how long the october sun would allow play it was yet well above the trees if he hurried he might have an hour the sunshine flooded the little landscape with that mellow radiance it squanders only in the first most glorious days of indian summer it flamed along the hills in purple and crimson and gold it painted a more brilliant green the long sloping sward about the chapel and then climbing up the great dormitory filled the undermaster's room with warmth and cheerfulness the undermaster looked up from his sick bed and for a long minute gazed thoughtfully out into the great blue vault scarcely broken by a few thin motionless cloud arabesques it seemed so infinitely far away and yet so terribly near then he came back again to the page in his hand it isn't what one hasn't got that ought to quench the light of life it's what one loses is it not it's death or treason in a wife it's finding one's unhappy lot from what you haven't gaily turn to what you have the world's alive still pulses beat still passions burn there's still to work there's still to strive the cure is easy to discern so don't be gloomy don't be glum nor give a thought to what you lack take what you have no longer dumb nor idle hit misfortune back and own that i have reason come again the invalid's eyes wandered out into the narrow glimpse of god's good world that his little window gave good advice mr stephen and i've tried to follow it but i guess it's just a trifle late now i don't think i've been glum very often and no one has known it when i have been i don't believe i've often dwelt on all i hadn't and i do think i've hit as often and as hard at my lady misfortune as i could but she's won at last then he added perhaps she hasn't but it's hard hard not to believe so absent-mindedly he closed the book and lay looking at it it was a thin little volume of verse by a cambridge man quomus attendus he read on a little signboard title i hope the muse has travelled pleasanter roads for stephen than for me i'd be thankful if even so small a book as this might carry my name on though for only one short generation 
there was a watercolor painted on the cover a sea view done in dark blue on the light cloth ground he remembered so plainly the afternoon when that had been done it was the mother's work and he had been sitting by writing it was august and the dusty roads and fields made the shaded room acceptable he'd found vacation work up among the foothills and she had come to the little farmhouse to be near him there had been worries for both but now he only recalled the deep pleasures of that loving companionship and wondered if he had half appreciated it he put down the book and lay back upon his pillow but with wide eyes and the sick brain so busy nothing about him but had some story to tell some scene to repaint for him nor would one have guessed the young master's empty pocket from seeing the room but the pretty furniture and the rugs with all their warmth of colour had been in the old home before the father's failure pictures were the accumulation of college years when a generous allowance was a monthly surety the books he had always bought books from the days of the worn and loved boys of seventy-six to that latest and handsomest anachronon of bullens perhaps it was his extravagance if so it was his only one and in the long separation from all those he most loved he had these true friends at least always by him the sun fell aslant the long shelves opposite him it almost seemed the books were smiling so cheerfully did the gildings glance back his light there was dear old elia two volumes of him and gray boards as prim as his own quaker folk and type as clear as his own laugh the invalid had found him in a broadway basement shop during one of those flying trips down from yale cheap at seven dollars and the hotel bill was sent after him to new haven and there was the bachelor with his reveries beside a sea-coal fire his life had had sadness in it too but now he only suggested those long lazy afternoons on the lake the little boat drifting on into the sunset and just those two bachelor and student aboard that delightful dreamer of prue and i was there the old bookkeeper in the white cravat with prue sweetly smiling on one arm and aurelia proudly glancing on the other and adam moss his kentucky cousin with a little basket of heart-shaped strawberries both had much to say of those all too short rainy afternoons and cups of her fragrant tea and the oozy confidential chats between chapters there too was sweet little lorna doone and kipling galloping through the memory like one of his own east indian troopers kamal is out with twenty men to raise the border side hummed the invalid bret hart moliere keats eugene field shelley austin dobson an odd companionship but all dear he could see them all and he tried to get up to go out and handle them once more but he was too weak and fell back on the pillow again with a little sigh motionless with closed eyes he lay there while the sun moved across the shelves across the etching of 
Fortuny's deathbed, and left the room in twilight. Then the sick man turned to the table by him, and taking up the paper, began to write. Dearest mother, this is my good-bye. I had prayed I might not have to write it, perhaps not even say it, yet. But it has seemed best otherwise. It's hard throwing down one's work at twenty-six, and it just beginning to show. But that, too, is best somehow. And now there's one less to think of and plan for, if one less to love. Oh, dearest, dearest mother, I had dreamed it all so differently. The mine was to prove the lucky making stroke. The dad and thee, dear, were to have your home once more, and I was to be with you, and perhaps, I prayed, a fourth. I had even imagined that home, the long lawn, the water at its foot, a great west-looking library, and the sweetest little bay-windowed room upstairs for her, and dear daddy was to have his newspapers three times a day, and a horse as good as the duke, perhaps even the duke himself, for those early morning rides, and I once more astride of punch, and up in the studio thee was to paint just for us. I was to write something worth the name. There was to be music again in the house, and a home love everywhere. But now I've got to give it all up, give everything up, and remained forever just a young school teacher who tried and failed. It's a pretty insignificant tragedy, after all. But to thee, dearest, I must ever be thy loving boy. Still the boy, dear. Remember me so, as in those sweet, dim days before trouble came, and while I was yet young enough to climb into thy lap. I am only a boy. A man would be braver and not cry out. But it is so, so hard. Hopes, plans, work, waiting, now nothing. Dearest, I love thee so, if thee only knew, and I've tried to grow more worthy of the great love thee has given me. Well, I'll know soon how well or ill I have succeeded. God bless thee. God bless thee. Remember, I love thee so truly and fondly. Good-bye. I do love thee so. Ben. Give this book to Kate and the note. This was folded and addressed with a name. Then on another sheet. Dear Kate, may I write you one more note? You've always been so sweet and interested in my work and striving, and you've let me write just when I wanted to, and as I felt. You can never know now how much good that has done me, how much courage and hope you've led me to. But it's all so, and though it's all come to nothing, at the last, yet I want to write you just once more, and thank you, and tell you how I love you. It can't be but that you have guessed it. It is no new thing. Perhaps I should have told you before, but my pride slipped in a score of times and dragged me back. You're poor yet, and in debt. Keep quiet a while longer. Once I thought it was all coming right. It really did seem 
that i had at last reached the crest of the long long climb i could almost see the broad stretching land of peace and love spreading away at my feet but the crest proved scarce a resting place and i had to start the climb again now i have no time to win that crest with all its dearest reward i must drop out to the side thanking god i suppose that tired as i am i am not mud-stained and say good-bye i should not have written this perhaps but i did so want to i hated to feel that you might never know the true deep pure love that has so long been all your own that would have found its highest happiness in a lifetime service of devotion and that now merely comes with my good-bye remember me sometimes forgive this note and once more dear good-bye ben the sick man lay back on his pillow and again closed his eyes the clock in the chapel tower struck six the sun dropped below the hills the upper schooler came out of the racket court it was a pretty well-played game he said to his comrade if the light had lasted just a little while longer i should have won end of section six recording by greg giordano newport ritchie florida end of the black cat volume two number one october 1896